Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? You told us when it could be time to panic. Well, is it time to panic? Well, let me just tell you folks, it's never going to be time to panic. Because we're never going to give up. We're not going to give up on America. America is worth it. America is worth it. For America's worth not giving up. And while we have that attitude of not giving up, we are constantly going to be searching, strategizing, coming up with ways to prevail. We've got the basics. We have we have millions and millions of Americans that are fed up. Can't wait to do something about it. There will be a series of ideas that people come up with based on dealing with the fraud that we know we have to deal with. You're not alone. You're not a singular individual all by yourself out there trying to fight these people by yourself. There are 74 million plus and growing. We're not going to give up on America. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Well, welcome back. Hour number two of the Wendy Bell Radio Program. It is official. We are on the clock. And a reminder to you, if you've not yet found and downloaded our podcast, it's so nice and crisp. Every hour boiled down to about 39, 40 minutes. All the commercials, all the chit-chat taken out. Wendy Bell Radio, wherever you get your favorite listening stuff. We got a million and a half downloads already. It's amazing. Growing bit by bit. This is grassroots because of you. Welcome. You know, this is important stuff. And I would lie to you if I told you I don't find myself sometimes going down the rabbit hole. I like to know what's out there. I like to know what people are looking at. Stories that are, whether true or not, interesting to consider. And I think we hold on to these ideas that there is this war that's going on that we don't know about. That there are some white hats. That there is something out there that's greater than we know. That is fighting on our behalf. And it's not Donald Trump. It's something else. And I find myself wanting that fantasy. And drifting off to it. When things are particularly crummy in this country. And we've gone through some particularly crummy times. And I've often found myself wondering, how is it possible that we have a United States military that is watching all of this happen and isn't doing anything to stop it? And we could talk about the invasion at the border, that spy balloon, the attack on our troops, constant. This new America that is being portrayed as weak and rogue and woke and emotional and just temperamental. That's the, that's the view the world has of us. And they're right. Why 
hasn't the military pushed back? Where are the voices? You know, what's the, one of the things that I found so alluring about the people who are members of the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys? These people who have been demonized as being like these crazy, fringe, anarchist, whatever. I'm going to overthrow. I'm going to go rogue. These aren't, that's not the, that's wrong. And that's not who these people are. These are men and women in service, whether in the military or law enforcement in some capacity who took an oath, who did their job, and the term of their service expired, but their service to America never does. There's no, there's no time frame for which you love this country. It's not supposed to go away after a certain time. So these people take an oath. They keep their oath after they leave that job. And unfortunately, they got ensnarled in something that was disgusting called January 6th. So this article for me is very intriguing. And it gives me hope. And I want to share it with you. Newsmax has a great one today. I might, if we have time, I'm going to read that one too. But this is from the Gateway Pundit. And this is what the headline says. 231 current and former U.S. service members demand military leaders be court-martialed over forced COVID vaccines. Service members were significantly harmed by these actions. If we don't have a well, a healthy, a ready and fit military, what do we have? We don't have a lot of protection, but we do have a hell of a lot of young military age single men who've come across our border from every single place in the world. What, 140 countries are now here in the United States? And there's like, what, 196 total? Has everybody else not gotten the memo to just come over to? What do you have if you don't have a strong military? Well, 231 current and former U.S. service members are saying something. And they want action. And they want it on a timetable. And here's the story. On January 1st, so this literally was hours ago, 231 current and former service members from various branches of the United States Armed Forces came together to sign the Declaration of Military Accountability. The time for accountability has arrived. It's the title of the show today, if you guys are watching on the live stream. This document spearheaded by, spearheaded by Commander Robert A. Green Jr. of the U.S. Navy marks a significant moment in military history, calling for sweeping reforms and accountability within the armed forces. Veteran Brad Miller wrote on X at 4 a.m. Eastern Time today, senior military leaders received an email with a letter attached called the Declaration of Military Accountability. I know because I sent the email. I sent it on behalf of myself and 230 other signatories of the letter. The letter is not addressed to the military leaders, but rather to the American people. The email was merely to inform these military leaders that there is a group of troops and vets pledging to the American public that we will do everything lawfully within our power to stop the willful destruction of our military by its own leadership. I want you to just 
simmer in that for a moment. Let me read it again. The email was merely to inform these military leaders that there is a group of troops and vets pledging to the American people that we will do everything lawfully within our power to stop the willful destruction of our military by its own leadership. Everybody sees it, my friends. It's not just you. You're not alone as you're driving down the road wondering what the hell is going on. You're not alone when you lie in bed and you're desperate to fall asleep, but your mind keeps going back to things that just don't make sense. You're not alone. It's happening. Let's take our country back, the letter says in 2024 and let's begin by defending our military from its own leadership you can find the body of the letter below blah 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 we'll have a website you can find as well along with the names of these signatories so let's read it this is what it says in part the flag and general officers are far from the only ones complicit in recent illegal activities as a significant number of leaders and political appointees contributed. Evidence indicates that other executive agencies are engaging in illegal activity. However, as service members and veterans, we feel particularly responsible for the DOD and in accordance with our oaths. We will make every effort to demonstrate by example how an institution can put its own house in Order. We, the undersigned, on behalf of hundreds of thousands of service members and the American people, while appealing to the supreme judge of the world for guidance and purity of intention, mutually pledge to each other that we will do everything in our power through lawful word and action to hold accountable military. The declaration outlines grave concerns about the current state of the of the nation, highlighting all sorts of corruption and failures within key institutions, including the Department of Defense. A significant portion of the declaration criticizes the implementation of the COVID-19 vaccine mandate within the military, which we know, even though they have lied, the Department of freaking defense can't even tell the truth. Hey, what about all of that DMED data? You know, the stuff that shows ovarian cancer, testicular cancer, Guillain-Barre, Bell's palsy, all sorts of cardio issues. What? What? Oh, that was a glitch. No, it wasn't. You rat fink scumbag. How dare you play games with the men and women who volunteered to keep the rest of us safe? How dare you? Calling for the court-martial of all the people who pushed vaccines and held the gun to the heads of some of the finest Americans we've ever had. It gets worse, though. I've got it for you coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. So I want to read you the Newsmax story on this because it really hones in. So you got 31 or 231 current and former U.S. service members signing this declaration of military accountability. It's not a threat. It's a promise. 
it is a, hey, we're part of the military. Many of us retired. Some of us still in the system. What you all have been doing is wrong. And we are making a pledge to the American people. We are going to go out of our way to make it right. How do you do that? Biden military leaders targeted over COVID vax mandate. More than 200 U.S. active duty retired service members are vowing to hold senior military leaders in the Biden administration, quote, who broke the law accountable for establishing the COVID-19 vaccine mandate. This has to end. This crazy can never happen again. The Pentagon made COVID-19 vaccinations mandatory for service members in August 2021, 8,000 service members were discharged for not taking it. While implementing the COVID-19 vaccine mandate, this is a quote, military leaders broke the law, trampled on constitutional rights, denied informed consent, permitted unwilling medical experimentation. Hi, y'all, we're guinea pigs. Phase three of the clinical trial ends in March. Permitted unwilling medical experimentation and suppressed the free exercise of religion. Read this letter from active duty service members and veterans sent Monday to senior military leaders. A copy of the letter titled The Declaration of Accountability was posted on Twitter by Brad Miller, who describes himself as a former army officer. Quote, I sent it on behalf of myself and 230 other signatories of the letter. It's not addressed to the military leaders, but rather to the American people. The email was merely to inform these military leaders that there is a group of troops and vets pledging to the American public that we will do everything lawfully within our power to stop the willful destruction of our military by its own leadership. Let's take our country back in 2024, it says, and let's begin by defending our military from its own Leadership. Now, the Pentagon, of course, we covered it, rescinded the vaccine mandate in January of last year. Too little, too late, folks. Too little, too late. You're going to get more brushes, more shades of too little, too late coming up in the show. Because at some point, admitting, ah, you know, I probably shouldn't have done that. Your apology, your mea culpa, your faux, ah, I'm sorry doesn't work. The senior military leaders mentioned in the letter included retired Army General Mark Milley, scumbag, whose term as chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff ended in September. Admiral Christopher Grady, vice chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Retired Army General James McConville, the Army Chief of Staff from 2019 to 2023. And retired Navy Admiral Michael Gilday the Chief of Naval Operations from 2019 to 2023, and numerous others. These individuals enabled lawlessness and the unwilling experimentation on service members. The moral and physical injuries they helped inflict are significant. Boom. Look, I get it. Nobody wants to talk about this. It's the elephant in the room like Joe Biden's dementia. Shh, he's fine. He's just seasoned. No, he's demented. Dude's got issues. Stop thinking we don't see it. 
This is going to be one of the hardest conversations that we the people have to have in addition to dismantling all of the woke garbage that these morons have inflicted on us and our children, by the way. This these individuals enabled lawlessness and the unwilling experimentation on service members. The moral and physical injuries they helped inflict are significant. They betrayed the trust of service members and the American people. Their actions caused irreparable harm to the armed forces and the institutions for which we have fought and bled. Look, I'm paying attention to this. This is on our radar now. It should be on yours as well. Never forget what these people did to you. Look, it's human nature to move on past pain. If we didn't, women would never have more than one children. I might tell you that from experience. That doesn't mean because it's dulled now that you should forget what they did to us. That you should forget what they did to American small business. What they did to a generation of elderly in our nursing homes and our assisted living facilities, what they did to a generation of children. And how when you and I stood up and pushed back and spoke out, they came with their knives out and they silenced and they hassled and they doxed and they canceled and they fired us. But the time for accountability has arrived. Amen. Coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio program, my friends. When the year in review looks pretty awful. Well, in one specific zip code. Why is Washington, D.C. in my crosshairs today and has nothing to do with politics? Next. Don't miss it. All right, so it's not commonly that I uh, give the Washington Post credit for anything uh, journalistic. It's such a shame. I have to say that. It really is such a shame. It's, it's terrible when you realize that the business that you loved, that you got into for all the right reasons, sucked well before you ever got there. I remember talking with Carrie Lake about that. Liz Collin, the fall of Minneapolis, spoke with her about that. Laura Logan, I spoke with her about that. I can imagine Tucker Carlson, Glenn Beck, all of these people, former mainstream media personnel. I was television news anchor and reporter for decades. Until one day you realize that what's going on behind the scenes is filthy and indefensible and biased. And gross. The Washington Post every now and again does something that's reasonable. And this is one of those articles. Look, if you cannot be safe in your nation's capital, where are you safe? Like the place that should be the ideal. The, the place that should represent and set the standard 
for the rest of the country. Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on in Washington, D.C. is is tragic. And here's your headline from the Washington Post. I want to talk about this. If you don't feel safe, everything is off. Everything. And if you're not a big gun person, you don't have an arsenal at your house. I'm getting one. It's in progress. And somebody breaks into your house, what are you going to do? Are you going to rely on the police to answer your call? Because they're not, by and large. Because the whole movement was purposeful. George Floyd, and before him as well, Fergus, and all of this stuff, setting off this indefensible trend to dump on police, to defund their departments, and then to scratch our heads when everything goes to hell in a handbasket. It's almost like cause and effect isn't predictable. Where, where is common sense? I'm no rocket scientist, but I can see this, right? In my, in my city, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, story just came out about them defunding the police department, cutting positions. That's a super duper idea. That's perfect. You've got drugs, right? You've got homeless people out of control. You've got economic conditions that are lousy, no matter how much lipstick they want to put on that peg. And then you're going to cut the police. Perfect. Nothing. What could possibly go wrong? Well, let's look at D.C. This headline got me. Washington, D.C. is magical. My bucket list. I got to do it on, on my birthday. We were in Washington, D.C. for the cherry blossoms. Oh, wow. It's like being in Gettysburg over the 4th of July. Oh, does something to you. The place is a hellscape now, D.C. 2023. This is your Washington Post headline. In a random act of journalism. Wild. 2023 was the district's deadliest year in more than two decades. And this is the, the sub, subtitle here. The city recorded 40 homicides per 100,000 residents with victims in every ward from babies to the elderly. Here's your story. And then think about, think about where you live. How safe you feel. And whether or not that's intentional. The nation's capital recorded more homicides in 2023 than in any year since 1997, giving the district the fifth highest murder rate among the nation's biggest cities. The 274 confirmed victims ranged from infants to octogenarians. They were killed in homes, in metro stations, in motor vehicles, They were killed in alleys, in school zones, and in public parks. They were slain on streets by acquaintances and strangers and in the crossfire of warring neighborhood crews. In double shootings and triple shootings, they died in the dark and the dawn and under the midday sun in all parts of Washington, from its poorest precincts to its busiest commercial and nightlife areas. Just think about that. To illustrate the human dimension of the violence, the Washington Post compiled a comprehensive list of the casualties. 
a month-by-month tally of who the victims were, how they died, and where, while also examining the broader trends of the city's 2023 homicide crisis. The loss of lives in the year just ended included the killings of 19 children and young teenagers, plunged families and communities into grief, and ignited a local political crisis that escalated to the halls of Congress. Federal officials questioned whether D.C. leaders were equipped to prevent the district from regressing to the social dysfunction and near-municipal collapse of the late 20th century when the city, overwhelmed by crack-fueled bloodshed, became known as America's murder capital. What does Mariel Muriel Bowser have to say about that? It's been a tough year. There's no doubt about that. Now, see, that's not good enough. And I'm going to go back to that poll that we brought you earlier in the program. Asking a thousand voters, how would you describe 2023? Good for you? Bad for you? Overwhelmingly, those who had a more positive outlook on 2023 were black, age 65 and older, and Democrat. What is it that these people do not see about their choices, about the people they continually put their faith in? What what will it take? Their grandchild being discovered as one of the zombies whacked out on heroin? On a, on a filthy street corner? Does that wake you up? Or is it a bullet flying through the car and striking your wife? It's, it's fundamentally not sustainable. This isn't, this isn't Gotham City. But they want it to be. That scares the hell out of me. They want you to feel unsafe. They want the police emasculated, demonized, called racist. They set Derek Chauvin up for this. Derek Chauvin didn't kill George Floyd. If you spend a half of an hour looking at actual evidence and not the narrative, you see there is a fictional story But the reality is what you're experiencing every day. And in Washington, D.C., as it is in San Francisco, as it is in Manhattan, as it is in Oakland and in Philly and in Baltimore and in Cleveland, it is not sustainable. How do you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and then be surprised that nothing changes? And in fact, everything is getting precipitously and expeditiously worse. With a rate of 40 homicides per 100,000 residents, D.C. was deadlier than 55 of the country's 60 most populous cities behind only which ones do you suppose? 
which four cities had more people murdered indiscriminately than Washington, D.C.? New Orleans, Cleveland, Baltimore, and Memphis. While homicides surged in Washington, they decreased in many other metropolitan areas, including New York and Chicago. What is it about D.C.? Is it the epicenter of no rules? Is it where the swamp has become so thick and so bogged down that there's another ecosystem surviving there? Snaking its way in its filth through the back channels and the sewer systems? As in years past, the burden fell acutely on black residents in the district's most underserved neighborhoods, especially east of the river. Citywide, every ward experienced killings in 2023, and as the year ended, most had endured significant overall increases in violent crime. So, what do you do, right? Because if you live in one of these areas, like Philadelphia, where Larry Krasner's idea of fixing crime is to, to put up a, or excuse me, Mayor Kinney, but putting up a sign that makes this park a gun-free zone. Oh, because you know what? Criminals pay close attention to, to rules and to local mandates. It's madness. It's madness in one specific zip code, one epicenter of suck. This is where our national monuments are. And instead of talking openly and honestly about what's going on crime-wise, that people are getting picked off, that children are being killed, we're worried on the left with a statue of the Confederacy, the Reconciliation Monument, the Band-Aid bridging the wound, the chasm between North and South, perhaps one of the greatest and most important moments in American history? And you're going to worry about taking that down because it's offensive? And you're going to worry about reparations and diversity and equity and inclusion? You know what? Nobody cares about that when people are dying. And by the way, I've never said this. Kudos to the Washington Post. And hats off to this individual, these individuals, Emily Davies, John D. Harden, and Peter Herman. Kudos to you for momentarily reminding us what journalism is about. Now, what are you going to do with it? Quick time out. When we come back on the Wendy Bell Radio program, how about this? Who on earth? Speaking of this, who on earth would want to be a cop today? Focus on Pittsburgh. I want to talk about my community. Madness. Next. The same madness uh, used to describe how a man can believe he's a woman and how we're all supposed to go along with this farce and pretend that it's reasonable and rational. That whole lunacy is like the same ilk, same vein as us scratching our head and wondering why crime's out of control. Well, I mean, it's multi-pronged. But if you're going to demonize a group of people who put their lives on the line every single day to make sure we are safe and to follow the rule of law, as we started with our opening monologue today, 
Some people believe that they can break the rules and that they are untouchable. If you're going to demonize police, you're going to defund the police, you're going to make it wholly unenjoyable to be an officer, you're going to break the multi-generational family ranks of service. And, and, and sons and daughters today are going to be like, I'm not going to follow my mom, my dad, my grandpa, whatever, into, into the academy. It's not worth it. Who wants that? Right? We're scratching our heads. Why is it that everything feels so tense? Uh, you also have your DAs paid for by scumbag George Soros, who are hell-bent on quickly destroying justice, law and order, all of this nonsense. I mean, duh. So scratching my head, Pittsburgh police facing cuts, shortage of officers and enforcement plummets. Well, what do you what do you think is going to happen in my city? Do you, do you not see that this is going to be a fast track to Washington, D.C.? What is it going to be? Pittsburgh next in the Washington Post next year, next January 1st? We're going to be reading about, oh, shockingly, what happened? As we all clutch our pearls and wonder, oh, something just, I don't know, I don't understand. Really? Huh. The city of Pittsburgh has slashed its police force at a time when staffing levels have been debated over how many officers are needed. I'm going to go with more than you probably have, right? That's an investment I'm down with. How did Rudy Giuliani clean up New York? Well, he went after the mob, went after, after the union, crime in the union, right? And he cleaned the crap up. He put cops on the beat. He arrested petty criminals. You're going to drop a turnstile in the, in the subway system. You're going to get arrested. You're going to serve time. We're going to staff it. We're going to prepare it. And we're going to clean this crap up. I'm done with the freaking graffiti. I'm done with the broken windows. I'm done with the garbage. We're going to start living with decorum. We're going to start treating our city the way we would hope to treat our homes. Where we pick up after each other. Where you don't go up to a red light and some turd in the car in front of you empties his ashtray. We're going to love this country and our cities and each other the way we should. See, all of that is contrary to where we're going. And Pittsburgh's on the fast path of suck. I can't wait to get out of this place. You guys want to vote for suck? You vote for it. You deal with the consequences. You pay for it. You deal with the consequences. I'm going to be like the folks in California. Sayonara. I've tried. I've, I've shouted from the rooftops. What are you people doing? And they've come for me. All right. You reap what you sow. I'm not paying for it anymore. City of Pittsburgh has slashed its police force at a time when staffing levels have been debated over how many officers are needed. It's not just my, my city. It's yours. The city council approved the 2024 budget, which called for a reduction in police staffing. Perfect idea. Super duper, you nine city council members of suck, all Democrats. What do you think you get when you all vote in the same idiots time and again? And oh, by the way, our county executive is a socialist. <laughs> what, what are we expecting, right? I'm feeling really positive things. I wish that, that that poll had called me. How do you feel? How is 23? How are you feeling about 24? I'm feeling like it's going to suck where I live because I can see all of the writing on the wall. This is not complicated. The mayor's 2024 operating budget. Our mayor is a klutz. He is a dope, Right? Anybody who says Pittsburgh, come on! 
This is 2024. You're a grown-up. The budget released in November called for cutting 50 positions from the police department. What could possibly go wrong? What do you think? Oh, I don't know. In my neighborhood, calling 911. Is somebody going to roll up at your house? Who are they going to tell you, sorry, we've got quite a backlog. Sorry, sort of like the, the processing, the judges who are processing these people who are crossing our border. Did you know that the backlog now means that every single judge who handles these cases, asylum or whatever, has a backlog 4,500 cases deep? Like how, how do you tread water when you're drowning? You don't. And that's the point. Cloward Piven. Overload the system with total chaos. Allow crime. Don't prosecute it. Send out that message loud and clear. Create a generation of people who feel like they're victims. Unleash them on the public. Why work when you can take? You're not going to get punished for it anyway. Overload the system. Crash the social welfare system. It's on its way. Look at California. If you're going to pay for 700,000 people who are not American citizens, who have no right to be here, let alone to take from us, how long do you think that's going to be sustainable? Look at Washington, D.C. That's where we're all heading. We don't need Canada anymore. I don't have to talk to Wayne Peters, our Wendy Bell Radio Network correspondent in Canada. I don't need him to tell me the madness that's going on there. We see it. It's happening all around us. You might feel insulated wherever you live, but you're on the, you're on the verge unless this crap gets fixed. And it gets fixed by you and by me and by other like-minded, rational, common-sense individuals saying... The time for freaking accountability is now. Boom. Hour number three of the Wendy Bell Radio program now moments away, my friends. What shall we discuss? How about the cost of believing your government? We're going to take you to China. China. Oh, yeah. Why we can learn a lot from these folks. Next. 